1: Welcome to Grace Church. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here and we are glad that you are worshiping with us. If you're in the venue, we want to say hi to you. Those of you that are out in the cafe, we welcome you. If you're worshiping with us online, whether you're in Jericho or Kurdistan or the Amazon, we want to welcome you. And those of you in the auditorium, we are so glad that you're here. I'm going to ask our ushers now here in the auditorium to walk up and down. If you need a Bible or a pen or a handout, just raise your hand and they will hook you up. They'll get you what you need just raise it up. And if you don't have a Bible and you want to take one home, it's okay to steal one today, okay? We'll let you take it home and enjoy it and it is our gift to you. Also, I want to encourage you to fill out a Connect card. If you've never done that, please do so. And if you have, we want you to continue to do it. It's right in front of you. And it's just our way to shepherd you, know you're uh, here. Also, you can write a prayer request that you have. But this month's Connect card, if you fill one out, all you got to do is go online at visitgracechurch.com slash live or You can do it by paper right in front of you. And every one that we get is going to go towards the Ray of Hope trip in the Amazon and the Mission of Hope trip in Haiti this month. Or excuse me, in July. We are sending over 35 people to those two countries in July. and So you can be a part of that just by filling out a Connect card. So i to ask you a couple questions here. And one of those is when you think of miracles, what do you think about? When you think of miracles... What comes to mind? You know, there's several things that come to my mind, but one of those is the fact that I've seen God work miracles. For instance, I was in Armenia, all right, which is just north of Iran, east of Turkey, all right, several years back, my wife and I were on a trip there, and we developed a relationship with this family there. And while we were on this trip, they celebrated their son, baby Narik's first birthday, Okay, so we had some fun celebrating with them, and they are great people, and there's so much life, and I'll tell you, the birthday cakes in Armenia don't taste the same, though. Not as good, all right? <laughs> we head back home, and uh, two months later, we get an urgent message from them. that Their son, baby Narik, was walking around the house, and the mom had big buckets of water, and she was cleaning, and the baby fell headfirst in one of these buckets, and could not get out, and went without oxygen. For a long time, they took it to one hospital in Armenia. Asked the doctors, "Hey, here's this Russian emergency room." They said, "We don't know what to do. Can't help." They rushed the baby to the other side of the capital city there, and this one hospital said, "Well, he's gone without oxygen a long time. He's probably going to be brain dead. And most likely going to die tomorrow. But we'll do what we can." So they sent urgent messages to people they know uh, through Facebook around the world, and we began to pray for this baby. Hours and hours of prayer, and supernaturally, God healed this baby. It was seven years ago. He's eight years now, and eight years old now, and you would never think that anything was wrong with him. God healed this baby. It's awesome. So that's something I think of when we think of the word miracles. But I also think of prayers that I've prayed that didn't happen. Of miracles I prayed for God to do that He didn't. For instance, I was going to visit my wife at a pediatric intensive care unit. She was an RN, and I went up there to bring her dinner. She was working the night shift. And I noticed that she wasn't in the little front kiosk area. She was actually in a room in the PICU. And she was trying to revive this baby with the doctors and this team of nurses for over an hour. And this mom outside the room was bawling. I said, hey, what can I do? What's going on? Uh, I offered to pray for you. She said, just bawling hysterically, will you please fr- pray for my baby not to die? I could not imagine life without our baby. About an hour later, the baby died. The dad sh- had shaken it to death. I also think of when we were pregnant with our third child, and we were visiting Lindsay's grandparents. We told them we were pregnant, and actually Lindsay and I went on a date in D.C. They live in northern Virginia, and then we went back to their house. which was about 30 minutes uh, outside of civilization there in northern Virginia, and we, uh, Lindsay began to bleed. And I rushed to the drugstore, which 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back. So it was about an hour worth of driving. I cried out to God, because we never experienced any bleeding before. Lord, please do not let us lose this baby. I can't imagine what this is going to be like and the motion that's going to go into it. For an hour, we found out we lost the baby. See, God chooses and does do miracles still today. We see God work like that baby in Armenia, and sometimes... We pray for miracles to happen, and they don't happen. And see, these miracles are this clash, all right, of the human expectation versus the sovereignty of God. And what that means is that we have this human expectation that we want God to work in some way. And that we want God to do something in our lives. And maybe you're here right now, and you need God to work a miracle in your life, and you feel you know what that needs to be. Maybe you're with us online somewhere, and you are desperate for God to move in your life. And then there's the sovereign will of God and what God wants to do. And I really believe when we pray for God to do miracles, when we pray for God to move in our life, it is not necessarily to get what we want, but to align our heart with who God is and trust Him with the outcome. See, so we're going to look at another miracle today. We're in our When Pigs Fly series. Alright, those of you here last week, I hate to disappoint you, there's not going to be any live animals on stage, okay? No pigs here, but Tim said, if I were to throw this pig, we have this live pig on stage, up and it began to fly, I'd be like, man, that's a miracle. And you know, the whole idea is when, yeah, when pigs fly, like, yeah, like that would really happen. We're going to look at miracles that took place in the book of John, and we're in our second miracle, and I look forward to see what God wants to do, what he wants to teach us as we look at this noble man and his son, who is sick. So let's pray. God, you are so good. God, you're powerful, and I know there's some people in here right now that just are praying for a miracle to take place. God, you still perform supernatural works. Lord, and sometimes you don't. But Lord, if all of us believe in you, you've healed us from the ultimate sickness, which is death and eternal separation from you, and you can heal us spiritually. For that we're thankful. God, I pray that we'll just grow. We'll look at this man and this passage in John and how we can learn from him and grow and apply this to our life. It's just not a story 2,000 years ago, but it's a story that has so much meaning today and that is relevant to us, and we can apply it to our lives. So God, help us grow. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, please go to John chapter 4. All right, we're going to start in verse 46, excuse me, but what I want to do is set the stage a little bit, all right? So last week, the first miracle we see in the book of John is the water into the wine. Jesus turns water into wine, all right? See that in John chapter 2, and then he travels some more. We see in uh, earlier here in John chapter 4 that he meets the Samaritan woman at the well, and I love John four twenty three. it says, A time is coming, now has come, that the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for these are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And he has this encounter, and now he's traveling again. Alright, and so let's pick this up in verse 46. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. So we see that he is coming now to an area where he turned the water into wine. So people knew Jesus here. They probably were amazed that this man's coming back. Was he a magician? Was he God himself? Did he just perform a trick? What's going on here? Who is this man? And so I guarantee you people talk about him. Word had spread and people knew that he was coming. And there was a certain noble man. Okay, so this is important, all right, to know that this man was a noble man. Actually, in the original language, which is the Greek, is the word is basilikos, which is this. We know with this Greek word that he was associated with royalty, Okay, this is an important man. This is a man of status, a man of money, a man of a job of significance. All right, maybe like a lot of you in here, especially in our country, specifically this county, the surrounding area, a lot of you have jobs of significance, or perceived significance anyway. You're a person of status, you live in a nice way. All right, and so then we pick up in first. 46, the end of it said, whose son was sick at Capernaum. So we see this is a man that was important, a rich man of royalty, of importance, and his son was sick. How sick was he? Let's look at verse 47. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, all right, he went to him. So here's this noble man who's rich, has money, significance, travels from Capernaum to Cana of Galilee, goes to meet Jesus there. We know that that travel by foot would have been about six hours by chariot a couple hours. So, this man traveled somewhere between two and six hours to go meet Jesus. He passionately pursued the face of Jesus. My question is are you passionately pursuing the face of Jesus? I mean, this man was willing to travel two to six hours. Sometimes we don't want to travel two minutes to church, we don't want to get up a little early to encounter the Lord in a powerful way. All right, so he goes to him and he implored him. So this man implored him in verse 47 to come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. We see here that this man's son was so sick he was about to die. I could just imagine the feelings and the emotions that goes into a child that you could have that is dying, that is sick. And he was desperate. Actually, the word implored him in verse 47 is important to point out because it is a rendering of the Greek imperfect verb tense. All right, which is, means this, is that it was ongoing, it was repetitive over and over again. Also translated as he was begging Jesus. All right, when I think of the word begging, I think of a couple of things. One is I think about my children. All right, if you're in here in the cafe or in the venue, okay, or online, just raise your hand if you have a child. Okay, raise it high. All right, now, can I get an amen if you can just hear that annoying, begging, whining voice they come up with, all right? Amen. Yes, it drives me crazy. Like, it makes me want to go mad. It makes a pastor want to cuss, you know? (laughs) Don't judge me. Like, can I have a Popsicle? No. Dan, I want a Popsicle. The answer is the same as a minute earlier. No. And then they, like, tears, like those fake tears, you know? I'm like, child, shut up! No, I don't say that. <laughs> I, I, I want to. Um, that begging sound. But this man was even more desperate than that. His son was about to die. And I could just imagine if he's begging Jesus, he probably gets on his knees and say, Jesus, please come and heal my son. My son is dying. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to live. I don't know how I could go on if he does not live. I am desperate. I have money. I have status. I'm of importance. But there's nothing that I have or do that can heal my son. I need you to do something powerful. And maybe you're like that right now. Maybe you're here saying, man, I have a family member who has cancer, and I need Jesus to heal them. Maybe you're in here, and you're having financial difficulties, and you need God to come through and perform a miracle. Maybe you're in here and you have a friend that is addicted to drugs or alcohol and you want them to have joy again and to break that addiction. Maybe you're in here and you're like this man. You have pride, you have status, you're of importance. And everyone thinks that you're okay. You're kind of that facade. I like to call it the Johnson County facade. Everything's okay. But really, something in your home or in your life is dying, and you need to lay that aside, and you need to pursue the face of Jesus. What is it for you? Because what this man did, he passionately pursued Jesus. He traveled two to six hours to encounter him. And I was convicted here. There are days that I don't want to even get out of bed a little early to go pursue Jesus. Do you want him to move in your life? Do you really? Do you really want God to work in your heart and in your soul? Do you really? Does your pursuit of him line up with that? And you might be saying, well, I want to pursue Jesus. I have no idea what that looks like. Well, it can look several ways. One is maybe it's just setting time aside to seek the Lord in prayer. Maybe you just need to seek him in prayer. Maybe it's opening the word of God and growing in his wisdom. The revelation these 66 books maybe you just need to sit and open this up and learn from it and say spirit speak to me maybe you're one of those people that are always going 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 you always have a task list always have a project you're always talking to god maybe for you to pursue jesus is just to be still not for a minute not for 10 minutes Maybe not for just two hours. Maybe it's a season in life that you just need to be still to hear what God has for you next. Maybe that's the way you can pursue Him. Maybe, as I mentioned earlier, laying your pride aside. If, if you're in here and you think that everyone wants to make sure you have it together, you're going to need to lay that aside to pursue Him. Because we are all broken and in need of a Savior. I love what Pastor Ken Lyles There's one of our pastors here that's actually going to go be the campus pastor at the campus that we're launching in uh, the first part of 2017. He says, if you want the presence of God, or excuse me, if you want to seek the power of God, if you want that power of God in you, you need to be in the presence of God. So if you want God to show up in your life, then you need to get into his presence. Are you pursuing the face of Jesus? Let's go on to verse 48. And then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. I just think what Jesus was, what his tone was here, it could have been matter of fact. Maybe he was annoyed. Maybe it was passionate. Maybe he just made this statement. He says, you people see, will only believe if you see signs and wonders. Now, I would begin judgmental of these people. I was like, yeah, these people, they just missed Jesus this whole time. Like, they didn't really understand what he was there about. And he's kind of frustrated with them, maybe. But then I begin to think of maybe my life or people in our church's life or in this community, that really we only believe when we see it. But that's not faith. See, faith that Jesus is going to move, faith that God is going to move in your life to do a miraculous miracle and what you're just praying to him to do, it takes Faith. But maybe you're one of those where you have to see it to believe it. Well, I want to challenge you. That's not faith. All right? I have to challenge myself with that. Now, verse 49. The noble man said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And we can read that, and we just know that he's saying, Sir, come before my child dies. But it looks here. It seems that this man, this noble man, is instructing Jesus how he needs to heal his son. He's saying, you need to come down, you need to travel back to Capernaum with me, you need to travel two to six hours with me, and that's how you're going to heal my son. And maybe you're in here and you oftentimes instruct God what he needs to do. I know I do. Maybe you're online and you're very specific on what you want God to do and how you need to fit him into your box. For instance, I have a family member that was having some legal trouble and some difficulty. And most likely, this person wasn't going to have to go to jail. They were really far from God. But through this, they began to deepen their relationship with the Lord and really pouring in, getting in his word on a daily basis and growing. And I was, Lord, do a miracle. Do something powerful. This person can't go to jail. It's going to set them back. There's no way that they can go to jail and still have a thriving relationship with you. You cannot use this. God, please do a miracle. And I prayed hours and hours instructing God to do this miracle this person went to jail and they're growing and have a more vibrant relationship with Jesus than they ever have. God's way is so much greater than ours. And so my encouragement to you is is your communication, is your prayer life, is the way you pursue Jesus on your terms or actually being okay with following God's will and what he desires for you? Pick up in verse 50. And Jesus said to him, go on your way, your son lives. It's pretty awesome. He says, go on your way, your son lives. He didn't even need to go see his son. He, said, he tells the guy, hey, go on your way. Your son's good. I got this. All right, I don't even see him. I've never met him. But he's, he's going to live. You're fine. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went on his way. Think about that. He didn't say, well, can you come with me to make sure? He'd say, Are you, how do you know? You haven't even seen him. How do you know he's going to live? He didn't ask God to prove himself. He just trusted him, and he had faith in the promises of God. He believed in these promises even before seeing it. This man believed in the promises of God even before seeing it. I was thinking, hmm, would I do that? Would I be willing? I'd be like, well, I want to make sure it's okay. How how do I know? But this man's faith, believing in the promise of God, that Jesus himself said, go on your way, this response in faith is the faith that Jesus desires out of each of us. Do you trust in the promises of God? Are you willing to trust him? You might be like, well, I don't know what God has promised me. Well, God has promised us over and over again through his scripture. Like, for instance, First John 2.25 says this, and this is the promise, that he has promised us eternal life. It says in God's word that he's promised us eternal life. If you have a relationship with Jesus, as we saw the people who were baptized today talk about, If you have a relationship with Jesus, you're promised eternal life. What else are we promised? It says in Deuteronomy 31, 6, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will never leave or forsake you. God promises not to leave or forsake you. Matthew six thirty-one and 34. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. You know, some of us are like, well, how are we going to eat? Where is this money going to come from? I have no clothes anymore. They're out of style, whatever it is. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. These will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Jesus knows you. He loves you. He wants to provide for you. John 14, 3, says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. See, Jesus is preparing a place for us. Jesus loves us. He cares for us. And he promises to come back for us as a roaring lion. And there will be a day that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Church, he promises us over and over and over again through Scripture, through His Word. And He wants us to trust Him just like this man. But the problem is, it's that clash of faith and that struggle between faith and human expectation. So often, I feel that we live our lives in such a way that He doesn't have to come through. We're not willing to have faith and go on our way. We want to make sure everything's taken care of. We want to make sure we got our finances in order. We got to make sure that We have our control and that our kids are okay and that we need to micromanage them and helicopter over them because we've got to make sure they're safe in today's society. We want to make sure that uh, we're comfortable and our cars are nice enough. And I really believe that a lot of us live in such a way that it doesn't matter if God comes through or not because you have so much control on it. But that's not living in faith. What does that look like for you? You know, I was thinking, I was studying here, and when I said, Lord, literally, I prayed, I said, Jesus, help me think of something like a visual representation, just something simple that maybe could uh, push this point home. And right after I prayed that, no joke, I got a phone call. And my phone was ringing, I answered it, it was my the auto shop. I took my car that morning to get the oil changed. that's the $50 in and out, we're going to be good. Get the synthetic blend, yada, yada, yada. They said, hey, uh, there's a little problem. Ever heard that before? Um, the kind of car you have, uh, the oil plug in there is actually the largest they make, and it's stripped out, and there's a thing we need, it's called a helicoil, so to bore you with the details, this is basically to make new threads, so a n- new oil plug can go in there and it can stay, but we haven't found a part that they can make one that big, and so uh, you're most likely going to need a whole new oil pan, a thousand bucks. I mean, that's a little different. I'm like, okay, well, uh, is it possible that you could find this part uh, to make sure this happens? They said, we're doing our very best. I said, well, uh, let me know if I need to do anything. They said, we're going to work out a couple more hours, and we're going to contact some places. We're going to do our very best. I said, okay. I hung up the phone. And see, it was a a Friday that I got paid a couple weeks ago, and every Friday when we get paid, it's our time to give, to tithe, to give our money. And I was like, hmm, I don't know if I really want to tithe today because I want to make sure we have enough, more than enough money. Because we have an emergency fund, but uh, it's gonna, who wants to spend that on an oil pan? And I had to make a decision right there. To be honest with you, to be candid, to be vulnerable, I was like, I, I, at first I was like, I don't want to do that. I, I don't trust. How's this all going to work out? What's going on What's going on here? And the Lord said, you asked for a visual representation, here you go. <laughs> Careful what you ask for. And I, I, we gave and talked to my wife, and we didn't freak out, and we just gave and knew the Lord was going to come through. And I called a couple hours and said, hey, we found a part, everything's good, you're good right now. Now, I could have had to pay the $1,000, and I still believe that God would have come through in a different way. Because I've seen him do it over and over and over again. See, it's this clash of human expectation and faith. And God works in the supernatural and so often we work in the natural and want to keep God in our box. But I want to encourage you to have faith like this man. He trusted and gone way. He went on his way. So my question with you, what is it that you need to trust God and get on your way? Because maybe some of us, if we're in this situation, we would have been paralyzed with fear, with like, are you sure? We would have been paralyzed with our human expectations no way that God can work that way and you're just kind of frozen or do you need to get up get out of your seat get out of your house get out of your cubicle and trust the Lord and go on your way maybe you need to lay this job down and pursue God in faith because he's calling you to something else maybe you need to make the decision right now that you're actually going to tie that God calls us to in the the book his holy bible that we go to every day for a source of strength and you're going to trust him in his word Maybe you need to have faith and go on your way. Maybe you need to have faith that you need to share Christ with a family member and have faith and go on your way. Maybe you need to go on a mission trip. Maybe you need to go share the gospel somewhere. And you're so consumed with the comfort and safety of your community. But God is calling you to trust and go on your way. That moment when they called about my car, I had, I had a decision to make. Am I willing to trust and go on our way? Let's read on. Verse 51, And he was now going down. His servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them. The hour he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So here's another picture that we can learn from this noble man that's made of importance of royalty of status. This man was a man of faith. Not only was his son healed, that Jesus had gone his way, he spent the night on the way. He didn't rush straight home. He had so much faith that he waited a day to go home. And then in verse 53, so the father knew it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household believed. think about this he encountered the living God he encountered the Jesus who heals and I think this story is a beautiful picture of Jesus and what he does and how he brings dying things to life because all of us in here at some point or another in our life we were spiritually dying each and every one of us We're spiritually dying. We were separated from God because of your sin, because of your wrongdoing, because of your mistakes. And Jesus healed you. Do you believe? Maybe you're in here right now and you're spiritually dying. You're hopeless. You're helpless. You're in sin. And you need to be healed. You're tired of doing this by yourself. And Jesus will heal you just like he did this man's son. Not only will he bring you this peace and this joy and abundance, but most importantly, he's going to heal you for all eternity. And I love this. Not only did this man believe, God worked in his life so much. See, this noble man could have taken the credit for him. They weren't there when Jesus said, Your son lives, but he gave all glory to the Lord. He gave all glory to Jesus, the Messiah. And because of that, his response, there's so much contagious power in wholeheartedly believing in Jesus. And because of that, his whole household believed. And I love this grace at home moment. When the man, the leader of the house, believes, it sets the tone for your home. I wanna encourage you, Ben, in here. Have you encountered a relationship with Jesus? Have you given your life to him? Are you willing to put your pride, your status aside and follow him? Because that's where life is. Maybe you need to be healed today. I mean, I believe his whole household believed because he shared the story of what Jesus did. Whether you're a child, student, a man or a woman in here, do you share the story of what Jesus has done in your life? Are you willing to Share what God has done because if he really has if you've really encountered the living God then you can't help but talk about it there's so much power in our testimony and the problem is in western culture I think we've began to struggle with that and we kind of minimize our testimony I love going overseas and mission trips whether I've been in Haiti or Amazon or different places in Europe And everyone's so eager to share how Jesus has changed their life. Guys, you have a story. It doesn't matter who you are. If Jesus has healed you spiritually, if you have a relationship with him, you have a story. Do people in your workplace, in your home, in your life, in your community, at your neighborhood pool, do they know that you've encountered the living God? There's power in your story. I want us to pray. And I want to ask right now, If you're in here and you're spiritually dying and you need a savior, if you're in here right now and you're tired of living this life all by yourself, if you're in here and you need Jesus to move and you want to ask him into your life, do you believe that Jesus lived a perfect sinless life? He died on the cross for all our mistakes, all our pain, all our addictions. He died for you. Not only did he die, but three days later he rose again. He conquered sin and death so you can be right with God forever and you can live, excuse me, in eternity forever. If you're in here and you've never decided to follow Jesus and you're ready to be spiritually alive, you're ready to be healed for eternity. If you're in here and say, I want to ask Jesus into my heart today, I want you to raise your hand. Raise it high. Okay, see you. Who else? Raise it high. So I'll make sure I see you, okay? I see you back there, awesome. See you over here, praise God. It's three of you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Jesus. I just want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. I want to live with you. I believe in you. You died for me. Just pray that. If you're in here right now and you're saying, I need God to come through and do a miracle in my life or someone I know's life, and you're just praying for a miracle, I just want to pray for you. Just raise your hand. Raise it high. Raise it high if you want God. Many of you. I see you. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Have faith in him. God, we give these miracles to you. Lord, you know exactly what they are. Father, that we'll just trust you and allow your spirit to work. In your name we pray, amen.
0: Hello, my name is Gina and I would like to share a little piece of my story with you. When my husband and I made a commitment to the Lord to pray together in details every morning for each other and for our three children and to fast once a week together, we got the enemy's attention. A few weeks into our commitment on Saturday, June 2nd, 2001, I was cooking on an ungrounded stove. I grabbed the skillet handle and the refrigerator door at the same time and was electrocuted. I became the grounding object between the two appliances, and my body took in 38 milliamps of electricity, which is seven times more than a human can survive. There are no words to describe the horror and the violence of that experience. But in the midst of it, the Lord was with me. After eight seconds of riding out the electrocution, with a flash of light, my right hand broke off of the refrigerator door and he held my hand. Surrounded in his presence, I felt perfect, pure love, pure peace, and indescribable joy. God saved me from death and he faithfully equipped me for what was next. I had many seizures, 40 a day, Many were grandma seizures, uncontrollable body movements, body thrashings, inability to walk, sometimes for days total paralyzation. The doctors diagnosed me with permanent brain damage. They said they were sorry, but there there was no hope. My prognosis was death and a very painful life until I died. My sensory nerves were also damaged where light, sound and touch would cause seizures. With every seizure, I developed more permanent brain damage and complications. I also lost all the color in my eyes and they said it was impossible to grow an iris back again. My husband, Goran, had to perform every bodily function for me. He carried me physically and he prayed over me daily. I lived in bed, In total darkness and isolation. But the Lord never gave us more than we can bear. He blessed us with no other options but to look to him. He took away all the distractions of the world. And he helped me to be still and know that he is God. No doctor could help me. And in total desperation, we learn to pray sincerely and to cry out to God with all of our hearts. Jesus gave us peace that passes all understanding and he taught us to pray always, to look to him immediately the moment something doesn't seem right. We learn to pray sincerely with our hearts, to confess and repent, to praise God for who he is not just what he's done or what he will do. He taught us to thank him for the things we never thought of thanking him for. We learned to talk to him about everything in his word and to claim his many promises. God took us on a journey of prayer through pain and suffering. He taught us how important it is to know him through his word and to love each other through prayer. We learned how real God's word is, and we needed every word of truth to hold on to. My body deteriorated, and it did everything the doctor said it would do and more. In exactly two years to the date that I was electrocuted, on June 2nd, 2003, I was almost dead. I hadn't eaten for two weeks and was barely able to hold on to the gaps of breath that were far and few between. I didn't know what day it was, and I didn't care. But on that appointed day, that appointed time, during prayer with my husband to the Heavenly Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God began healing me. He healed different parts of my body every day for five days during prayer only with my husband and my three children. The Lord totally rebuilt my body and he restored me to my youth in front of them. And on the fifth and final day of healings, he healed my brain and he turned my eyes green instantly again. God is the great physician and he does what he wants to do when and how. I didn't deserve to live, but it was his will I believe almighty God let me live to tell everyone Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God. And when he created the earth and walked on it as he is today, he hasn't changed. He wants us to know him. He wants our hearts. My challenge today is like yours. To love God to follow him, and to remember what he has done because of his great love. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer,
1: please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times,
0: go to visitgracechurch.com.